0: Perilous Chronicle is a digital research and media project as well as an historical archive that documents prison uprisings, protests, strikes, and other disturbances within jails, prisons, and detention centers in the US and Canada. Check us out at perilouschronicle.com and follow us on Twitter, at Perilous Prisons.
1: Welcome back to the Perilous Podcast, a news and oral history project featuring original interviews with prisoners and detainees who have participated in or witnessed protests, uprisings, and other forms of unrest behind bars. We also gather analysis and insight from researchers and advocates in an effort to build a better understanding of systems of incarceration and collective action and strategy. This week, we cover the hunger strike that occurred at the Pine Prairie Ice Detention Center in Louisiana. In order to better understand what happened at Pine Prairie and the context in which the protest occurred, Perilous Correspondent Ryan Fatika spoke with Sylvie Bello, founder and CEO of the Cameroonian American Council. Sylvie, who is in touch with the strikers and their families, was able to paint a vivid picture of the conditions that have led to the detainees at Pine Prairie to put their bodies on the line.
2: In that light, that's what they did, right? They protested anti-Africanness, anti-Blackness, and even more specifically anti-Cameroonian-ness. And they're resuming today because, of course, I lied to them. I mean, we're, we heard that before, you know, every day, you know, and we, you know the history of the U.S. government when it comes to black bodies. So ICE, they started the hunger Strike protesting the judicial system and the handling of their asylum cases.
1: Perilous Chronicle is run by a small group of dedicated volunteers and very little funding. If you value our work, Please support us by visiting our website and donating via PayPal or Patreon, and rate and follow us on iTunes. With your help, we can expand our efforts to track, document, and archive the stories of prisoners and detainees who are standing up for themselves in the midst of overwhelming odds. Perilous relies on crowdsourced information for our grassroots tracking and archival efforts. If you have information or are in touch with a prisoner or detainee who has witnessed or been involved in a protest or other form of unrest, please get in touch with us at info at perilouschronicle.com. Before we get started with today's feature, here's some headlines.
3: On August 4th, prisoners at the hamilton wentworth Detention Center in Hamilton, Ontario, launched a hunger strike. Prisoners in units 4B, 4C, and 3B refused meals to demand better conditions for themselves and other prisoners. Their demands were, one, access to books sent in from the outside, two, more items on canteen, three, raise the weekly canteen purchase limit, four, end lockdowns, five, allow anyone to visit, six, end the delays in mail delivery, seven, daily access to the yard. Prisoners were joined by protesters on the other side of the wall. Wednesday night, detainees reported a noise demonstration being held. Protesters circled the jail and lit fireworks. The next morning, approximately 30 people joined in a car action, honking and holding signs of support. By Thursday, the demand for an improved canteen sheet was met, and prisoners in 3B began accepting meals. Several prisoners were brutalized and attacked by guards following the conclusion of the strike later that week. On Friday, August 14th, prisoners at the Santa Clara County Jail launched a five-day hunger strike in solidarity with nationwide protests against systemic racism and policing, and to bring attention to their own conditions. In a letter to county and city officials, prisoners outlined their primary goal of bringing awareness and attention to, one, racism and prejudice within the Santa Clara County justice system. Specifically, the unjust practices of the three strikes law and gang enhancement statute that exist solely to impose extreme sentences predominantly upon black and brown people. Two, police brutality and disregard for true accountability and transparency through their refusal to release records of police misconduct per SB 1421. Three, the sheriff's blatant disregard for oversight, accountability, and transparency through the unwillingness to fully cooperate with the Santa Clara County Office of Corrections and Law Enforcement Monitoring. Prisoners later submitted a separate letter with detailed complaints and proposed solutions addressing the following conditions. One, a lack of -of out-of-cell time due to unnecessary lockdowns. Two, a lack of meaningful program opportunities. Three, an unfair and meaningless grievance system. Four, unjust restrictions on inmate trust accounts. And five, inadequate and ineffective access to the law library. You can find more details of the prisoners' demands in our show notes. On August 15th and 16th, prisoners at the Oahu Community Correctional Center in Hawaii destroyed prison property and set fires. Both incidents were connected to COVID-19 mishandling and extended lockdown conditions. On Saturday, fires were started in the disciplinary unit in response to a delay in meal delivery after prisoners who worked food service tested positive for COVID-19. On Sunday, after four prisoners were relocated to a unit reserved for inmates with disabilities, several prisoners broke light fixtures and a toilet, smashed a computer, and set a fire. Two prisoners were treated for injuries following the disturbance. On Sunday evening, the Hawaii Supreme Court issued an order to release certain prisoners to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Prisoners eligible for release include those serving less than 18 months as a condition for probation for nonviolent felonies or are awaiting trial on nonviolent felonies and misdemeanors with the exception of domestic abuse. On August 17th, four prisoners in the Solitary Confinement Unit at Eastern Oregon Correctional Institution in Pendleton, Oregon, launched a hunger strike. The prisoners have four demands. 1. The immediate transfer of prisoner Stephen Corbett to a hospital that can provide him with life-saving medical care. Stephen is being held in solitary confinement and is experiencing life-threatening complications from Crohn's disease and seizures. 2. Allow the purchase of basic hygiene and cleaning supplies upon arrival to solitary confinement. Prisoners are currently only allowed one bar of soap, a toothbrush, and baking soda for their first 30 days in solitary. 3. An immediate release of everyone who is in solitary confinement for a non-violent rule violation and a permanent end to the use of solitary confinement for all non-violent rule violations. 4. One call a week for all people in solitary confinement and an immediate end to the green card system that allows correctional officers to arbitrarily deny communication to loved ones on the outside. At this time, prisoners in solitary confinement have to earn, over the course of 30 days, one 10-minute phone call. This hunger strike is ongoing. Take a look at our website, perilouschronicle.com, for an in-depth look into conditions and prisoner resistance at Eastern Oregon Correctional Institution. On Saturday, August 22nd, an uprising took place inside the close custody unit at New Hampshire State Prison, involving approximately 70 detainees. The disturbance started at 12.30 p.m. and lasted several hours. Two groups of prisoners refused to return to their cells. After some detainees engaged in conversation with guards and returned to their cells, others lit fires and flooded the cell block. One guard and one inmate sustained minor injuries. It isn't clear yet what sparked the uprising or what actions were taken to quell it. On August 23rd, around 7 a.m., 82 detainees at the Craven Correctional Institution in Vanceboro, North Carolina caused a disturbance by barricading themselves inside the housing area of their unit. The prisoners were protesting the pandemic protocols they are being subjected to. A spokesman for the North Carolina Department of Public Safety reports that no force was used in taking control of the unit and there were no injuries. The facility will remain on lockdown until further notice.
4: Black August hunger strike at Pine Prairie. On August 10th, 48 African detainees in the Bravo Delta dorm of the Pine Prairie Ice Processing Center in Louisiana declared their collective refusal to eat, continuing a years-long saga of collective protest and repression that has characterized their fight for asylum on the continent. The majority of the strikers are English speakers from Cameroon, where armed conflict is making the country increasingly unlivable and where the English-speaking minority faces repression by the country's authoritarian government. After crossing three continents and an ocean seeking safety in the US, their battle for human dignity continues within ICE detention. After their initial announcement, detainees paused their strike when ICE officials agreed to negotiate, but these talks broke down and by August 21st the strike was back on. As of August 27th, when a perilous correspondent was able to speak to one of the strikers on the phone, the men had not eaten in nearly a week and ICE officials had not returned to negotiate. The strikers are demanding an end to indefinite detention by ICE.
5: What we are demanding is before on the 21st, 10th of of this August, we officially declared a hunger strike whereby we asked the authorities that we needed to talk with ICE for the reason that for the past one year, the list of us is at least 10 to 19 months in this facility. For the past one year that we have been here, we have never seen our deportation officers or neither seen any supervisor of such coming knowing us personally for our issues, for our parole issues. So it came a time in it came a time when we sat and we decided that we needed to talk with our deportation officers and we wrote letters to the administration, to the ICE, and they told us that there is no way our depo- we could meet them because they are too busy. We said elsewhere, the officers did meet their, meet their asylum seekers because we are asylum seekers. We are not prisoners.
4: One Cameroonian hunger striker who spoke with representatives from the Southern Poverty Law Center reported that, as they were walking back to the dorms after declaring their strike, guards tackled three detainees, intending to take them to solitary confinement. A scuffle then ensued as the remaining 45 detainees refused to return to their dorms until the three were released. The detainee stated, quote, I stood up so strongly. They had guns. I tried to remove the officer's leg from them. They were trying to put them in a chokehold. I ran toward them. He was pointing a gun at us, a long gun. I asked them to shoot me and kill me. End quote. As a result of their courage, the three detainees were released and returned to their unit with the rest of the strikers. The strike at Pine Prairie is at least the fourth major protest led by Cameroonians in ICE detention this year. In late February, female Cameroonian detainees at the T. Don Hutto Residential Center in Taylor, Texas engaged in a sit-down strike in protest of indefinite detention, inadequate medical care, and other issues. The women released a letter at the start of their strike explaining the conditions they face. The following week. Male Cameroonian detainees facing indefinite detention by Immigration and Customs Enforcement at Pine Prairie organized a hunger strike that lasted at least 10 days in protest of their conditions of confinement and the dysfunctional asylum process they encountered in the U.S. Then on Juneteenth, Cameroonian detainees at Pine Prairie again organized a hunger strike, releasing a video and audio statement explaining their motivation for acting. We are really
5: suffering. Please, you
6: people should really do help us. Anybody who can help us, do help us. We are suffering in here. The fact that we are speaking like this, and you're seeing our faces, we are really suffering. We are really suffering. We are suffering. We are suffering. It is really hell in here. It is hell in here. They don't even give you the opportunity to speak out because we are scared right now that if you want to speak out, they might catch you and go lock you up. We are scared to speak out right now. That's how they've made it. They've made it like, it's, it's like a slave under a master who has no place to go, nowhere to go. That's how we are right now. We are slaves under the master, under, under the master, which is We We try for our voices to be heard. The facility caught all of us, all of us, the Africans here, and locked us up in the solitary confinement for over one week each. They locked us up just because we went on hunger strike so that our situation can be addressed, and and also when we were locked up in solitary confinement, we stayed there for two days. We couldn't speak to our families. We couldn't speak to our lawyers, and we couldn't even take a shower. Uh, ICE has been releasing Spanish uh, asylum seekers every other week, and in the ten months, they have only released seven, uh, only seven Africans.
1: The ten months. that is that is quite unfair
6: so when we go to court, one of the point that the judge to talk about us is that we are criminals but I believe none of us here have any criminal records but the judge keeps saying that we are criminals he doesn't believe what we are saying so we are pleading with the people outside all the NGOs all the NGOs solving poverty or the congress people please the, the united states as a whole we beg you people to help us in here help us in here we are dying we are dying for real
4: according to sylvie Bello, this legacy of resistance to unjust immigration policies stretches back to before these migrants found themselves in ice detention on july 9th 2019 african immigrants staged a protest in tijuana mexico blocking Mexican transport vans in protest of what they said was systemic discrimination against African asylum seekers in that country.
1: Asylum seekers fleeing violence in Cameroon find themselves bogged down in Tijuana. They stage an effective protest this week claiming corruption by Mexican officials.
4: On August 19, 2019, another group of African immigrants staged a protest in Tapachula, Mexico, near the country's southern border with Guatemala. The asylum seekers were stuck in the city for weeks, where they were denied the documentation necessary to continue their journey north. The migrants, mostly women and children, held banners and laid in the road, blocking transport vans at the border through which they'd been denied entry. A year later, some of the same detainees are again leading the way in protesting the injustices of the US immigration system, this time from within ICE detention. In order to get a full picture of the situation at Pine Prairie, perilous correspondent Ryan Fatika spoke with Sylvie Bello, founder and CEO of the Cameroonian American Council. For our full coverage of the strike, You can find our article at PerilousChronicle.com, and to connect with Sylvie and with other groups that are supporting detainees, check out our show notes.
0: We're here with Sylvie Bello, founder and CEO of the Cameroonian American Council, based in Washington, D.C. Hi, Sylvie. Thanks for talking to us.
2: Bonjour. Hello. Thank you.
0: So our understanding is that approximately 48 African immigrants who are being held at the Pine Prairie Ice Processing Center in Louisiana started a hunger strike on August 10th. After ICE agreed to negotiate with them, they put their strike on hold, but that they plan to restart the strike. Tell us what you've heard from detainees and their families about the strike.
2: Thank you, Ryan. It's your, you know, session and your call. And the show right now is is very relevant because August is Black August. And, and in the spirit of the ancestors before them and the elders before them who started what is known as Black August, which was in, out in California, the Cameroonians at time period led a protest in a form of a hunger strike. And, um, yes, in terms of the numbers, you know, ICE is constantly doing transfers, even in this time. Of COVID nineteen, so the numbers are very fluid, um, and ISIS is still deporting, right? Even with COVID nineteen and with borders around the world being shot, the US, you know, bullies countries. So in terms of exact numbers, it's very very fluid. But I could tell you that there are at least forty men, many many of them Cameroonians. Over thirty five of them are Cameroonians. And that actually reflects detentions across Louisiana and detentions across the country where Cameroonians are a majority of Africans in detention. Cameroonians are also um, in many detentions like Otay Nesa at the San Diego border there and Adelanto at, you know, not, you know, the outskirts of Los Angeles in California. There, you know, the majority of black people are Cameroonians. Otanesis okay, in particular, the majority uh, of the detainee population are Cameroonians. So there's just more Cameroonians at then Central and South Americans. So having a conversation as we're having on Cameroonians is really critical and it's just not done. So we're really happy to to have this call. We are saddened by the Cameroonians at Pine Perry that they have to consistently put their bodies on the line. Again, you know, like George Jackson before them, like Angela Davis, the elder Angela Davis before them, they're using Black August, which is really a moment and a movement to fight for the release of Black Political prisoners in America, which started in the in the seventies black Orgas started in the seventies so in that light that's what they did right. They protested anti africanness anti blackness and even more specifically anti cameroonianness and they're resuming today because of course, I lied to them i mean we heard that before, you know every day you know, and we, you know the history of the U.S. government when it comes to black bodies. So I they started the hunger strike, protesting the judicial system and the handling of their asylum cases. Our colleagues at SPLC put out an analysis around how Cameroonians and Cubans ask for parole in Louisiana at about the same rate. Yet Cameroonians get denied the most, actually nearly four times more than Cubans right? And I don't see Cuba, you know, listed as the worst humanitarian crisis in the world, right? I mean, there are crises in Cuba. They need to, to, to be protected with the human rights laws that are out there. But the fact that Cameroon that's listed um, by several agencies, including UN agencies as the worst humanitarian crisis of 2020, the worst humanitarian crisis of 2019, yet judges such as Larragui do not, do not, you know, provide the protection that the US is supposedly, you know, abiding by, the human rights protection and the asylum protection. So that's how you know that it's an anti blackness. And that is the reason why consistently, even though we have other Africans at Pine Perry, but they're not as affected because it's clear that Cameroonians have the, the brunt of it. And this could be, you know, all the way from the Cameroon government, really. So we're happy that Folks in the media are looking into this because we want to know why, why that is. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: According to new statistics ICE just released about fiscal year 2020, the average length of stay, the number of days that the average ICE detainee is held in a detention facility, is 61 days. And that's a significant increase from previous years. Average length of stay at Pine Prairie is 86 days. But you report that many of the Cameroonians you're in touch with have been detained for over a year. That's a significant difference from the average of three months that most detainees are being held, even at this particular facility. Do you know what the difference is, what's the unique or specific circumstances the Cameroonians are facing that cause this distinction?
2: So to be clear, uh, every single Cameroonian there has been detained for over a year. We um have some folks there who've been there for two years. The longest detained person in all of Pine Perry, when you include the Russians and everybody else who are at Pine Perry is a Cameroonian. He's only twenty three. And you know, if you're asking why it just goes back to to the anti blackness that I mentioned, right? Black people, right? If you look at the history, we talked, you know, earlier around, you know, Black August. If you look at the history of immigration, immigration was like every other sector in America was built on the oppression of black people, right? What is the basis of immigration today? Family reunification, right? Well, there was the basis of immigration 400 years ago, 200 years ago, 100 years ago, family reunification, right? And what did the white supremacist policy makers do, they let the Irish, um, Germans, right, you know, gangs of New York talked about all these, you know, all these immigrants. Did you know that black people in other parts of the world did not have authority to come into America? They had, they didn't just have quarters, right? We've heard about, you know, when you think about Chinese, Indian immigration and other uh, immigration from other parts of the world, you hear about quarters, right? Jewish at some point, quarters, oh, they had quarters. You know what happens with Africa? Banned. Banned. So the, 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 the structure, right, the basis of immigration in, in America, right, is rooted in black suppression, oppression, right, like every other aspect of American life. So when Cameroonians come in into this system, they are met with all kinds of baggages that, um our ancestors met, right? They are met with you don't have family ties. How in the world are we supposed to have family ties? Uh, you know, like, you know, like other countries when some of them, you know, could freely come into America and have built, you know, family ties. Others at least had quarters. We were completely banned. Brian, did you know that President Obama's father when he came into America, at that time, it was actually illegal for Africans to come into America? Not only were his parents' marriage illegal um, back then, but also, you know, his trip. He had to have permission from, uh, there was a program called, uh, the Airlift Program, where you needed permission. The Kennedys and, and some other uh, families put in, um, resources to pick up the brightest Africans to come through because it was illegal for Africans to come. They did not have those quarters. I mean, it was, Africa was completely shut down. You know why? Because they did not want our enslaved ancestors and those, um, uh, you know, who were coming out from Africa to meet. So, so when you're asking why is that the reason that the longest detained person at Pine Perry is a black person, it goes back to the historical, you know, basis of immigration, the racist white supremacist basis of immigration. Now, fast forward, and you know what the, the funniest thing and the kicker thing is, is that as a result of the work of our ancestors in the 60s, after the civil rights movement, what did we get? We got immigration reform as a direct result of black immigrants back then, like Sophie Michael, who came to America from Trinidad as a teenager, right? Um, so when you look at that, but that's like the joke is on us, right? That they have this basis of oppression of keeping black people away. Then as a result of, right, so the Cubans and all these other folks who can just come in and, and, you know, and quickly go out of the system, you know, the reasons why it got open to everybody else is because of the blood and sweat of black civil rights movement who, you know, in the civil rights movement who led in addition to other allies, but it was a movement led by black people. And, um, and so Pine Terry, It's just a microcosm of the era, right? And that's one of the reasons why, you know, another reason is, um, you know, we're not going to put it past the Cameroon government. The Cameroon government has lobbies in Washington and um, a lot has not actually been said or researched about the lobbying of the Cameroon government within domestic policy. For instance, we know, um, about the Irish, um, lobby in immigration. We know that every St. Patrick's, when the Prime Minister of Ireland comes to America and visits the White House, the first thing on the agenda is what? Immigration. So we're very familiar with the push of Irish immigration in America and the, the push that that government does in influencing immigration policy. We've not even really looked at the influence that Cameroon government, you know, does in influencing immigration policy. Um, some other papers such as Foreign policy and different magazines have put out research around the uh, Cameroon lobby, Cameroon government lobby and foreign policy. But so we, you know, we're not going to put, uh, put anything past a dictatorship, right, of Cameroon, which is obviously, as you would, as you can tell, um, like, like, like much of, uh, of the world, um, straddled in, in white supremacy, right? I mean, imagine that in Cameroon, you know, there's a currency there called the franc CFA, right? It comes from France mind you, France itself has now moved on to the Euro, but Cameroon is still tied to the franc CFM, right? So um so that goes to tell you that um, you know, the reason, right, the immediate reasons why the Cameroonians are there are the reasons from across the ages when it comes to America. Mm-hmm. White supremacy, anti blackness, anti Africanist and quite frankly anti Cameroonianist. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sylvie. Well can you Give us a little bit of an understanding of what's going on in Cameroon. I mean, I don't think most of our listeners are probably familiar with the political situation there. And I think that it's necessary to understand that, to fully understand what these strikers are going through, what their motivations are, and the history that that brought them to this country and landed them in ICE detention. It seems like there are a lot of Cameroonians seeking asylum in the United States right now. Can you help us understand why that is?
2: The short answer, as a result of American foreign policy, that's a short answer. The long answer, there are five armed conflicts in Cameroon, okay? Um, these five armed conflicts are as a direct result, and I'm going to say it again, white supremacy, right? Um, Boko Haram um, is in the north. A lot of times it's connected to Nigeria, but a lot of people don't really know how close you know, you know, uh, to Cameroon, Nigeria is there, um, at the last count, I think they said something between like a million, uh, half a million to a million Nigerian refugees who are in Cameroon fleeing the war, in addition to the Boko Haram, you know, terrorism stuff who are in Cameroon as well. So all of that, um, causes, uh, uh, both Cameroon, Nigeria, uh, uh, to, to have like this armed conflict that affects and displaces people, um, all the way, you know, to, 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 to America as well as towards the uh, the Mediterranean, that's one. On the east, we have uh, Central Africa, the wars. A lot of people have heard about the wars in Central Africa. The UN has made many visits um, uh, to Central Africa. Nikki Haley, you know, while she was the UN secretary, um, you know, went to Central Africa. And, of course, conveniently did not go to Cameroon, went again, you know, a lot, half a million of, of, of uh, Central African refugees and the terrorists from the uh, Seleka Antibacala um, terrorist group Come into, into Cameroon and causes havoc there. Um, that's in the east of Cameroon. This, the majority of the folks right now at Time Perry are fleeing, in addition, you know, are fleeing a war known as the Anglophone crisis. No, you know, Cameroon on life saves Zimbabwe or South Africa, you know, um, does not have an active, like, you know, white Population, you know, they they they're inactive, you know, because they, like I said, you know, the currency is from France, so obviously, you know, they 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 join the screen stream, the strings and um, are obviously oppress us, but they're, they 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 they're not in Cameroon, so why do we have a war called the Anglophone crisis, right? So that should just tell you how pervasive white supremacy is, you know, um, you know, all the way from slavery when the our ancestors in Cameroon um, were stolen from the shores of Bimbia sold to the Americas. Um, after that, um, uh Germany during the Berlin Conference when they had the petition of, 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 of um of, of um of Africa, Germany um, you know uh oppressed Cameroon. When Germany lost World War One, right, um the, the 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 spills and the spoils of the war went to France and England. So this Anglophone crisis comes out of there, right? But in the history, when they talk about the Holocaust, are they going to talk about Cameroon? Nobody does. When they did the Marshall Plan, right, going around fixing Europe, did they come to fix Cameroon that Germany destroyed? No, they did not, right? So in the aftermath of all of this comes the Anglophone crisis, which is a um, substantial um, existential problem for the Cameroon government right a dictator um needs uh does not need you know a country divided right because that's how they 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 see it off right um you know france and it's uh uh as a colonial oppressor you know does not want a divided country and so so they they put out you know, this Cameroon military—they've outseated the Cameroon military to kill its own people in the northwest and southwest of Cameroon. Um, the two other wars in Cameroon are um, an ethnic and, um, and tribal war and religious war, which again comes—I mean, after you've had five, four oppressors—you know, uh, you know—the French, the British, the Germans, and prior to that, the Portuguese. That's how my last name is Bello. My ancestors were enslaved on the continent. When you've had this many oppressors. Obviously, it's going to cause different kinds of, um, of 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 disputes, right? Because they're going to peak one against the other. We know that here in America, right? That's how you know the enslaved um, Africans were pitted against one another, right? You know the 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 house slave and the field slave, right? So so white supremacy tactics of America. You know moved on to, to 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 Europe and so we have this fourth war, which is a tribal ethnic um, arms conflict we also you know with the with um, including Muslims Christians as well as other cultural groups um such as the Fulani the fifth war is the political um arms conflict Cameroon uh, is a post electoral conflict Cameroon right now um recently had an uh, a, a obviously a fake election um uh, which took place in 2018. And again, when you're dealing with a dictator, you know, there's going to be armed conflicts, especially when there are oppressors in Europe and other parts of the world that are, um, that are outfitting and, and pushing this dictator. So those are the five armed conflicts. That is the reason, Ryan, why the majority of Africans in detention centers are Cameroonians.
0: Wow. Thank you for explaining all that, Sylvie. I appreciate that. It seems like a clear-cut case for an asylum claim. I mean, these people are refugees. They're fleeing active conflict zones. They're fleeing persecution by an authoritarian government. What's the status of their asylum claims?
2: Thank you. So 30 of them, 30 or more of them are right now in withholdings, which means they were denied asylum. Um, their appeals were also denied. Um, a couple of them have um, uh, are currently have appeals open. All of them, all of them have parole um, that have been denied um, in normal, you know, normal process, except in Louisiana. So let's take Adelanto, like I mentioned, our, um, or Sainese, or both in California or even, um, you know, in Arizona. We have several um, uh, Cameroonians in Arizona who have uh, been released by bond, who have been released by parole, Who've been released directly by asylum? Louisiana will not let up. They just will not, um, uh, you know, you know, look into you know why the Cameroonians are slaying the very, very real persecution um, that's happening uh, in Cameroon. And um, and and Louisiana is actually quite well known in the system, and that's the reason why um, when um, when you protest anywhere else around the, the country or when, uh, you know, when the detention centers want to retaliate, they, you know, uh, on, on an action done by a detained person, uh, they will send them to Louisiana because they know what's going to happen to them. You know, they, so, so, so years before, you know, the other black people may or may not have protested, but not the Cameroonians. And look, this is not their first rodeo, right? Um, these uh particular men, um uh, protested in 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 February. Well, the protest even uh, you know even more recent than that. The protest that on Juneteenth. They invoked mm-hmm. their ancestors on the themes of freedom from Juneteenth, right? Um. So the, so you know the hashtag is um hashtag freedom Juneteenth Cameroonians. Um. Prior to that, um, they also um on um, during Black History Month. Um. You know, why not hunger strike, right? And and um and prior to that, Ryan. In Tijuana, uh, Mexico, they protested anti-blackness, right? Because anti-blackness obviously is not limited to America, right? White supremacy obviously is not limited to America, right? It's system-wide, like global system-wide. Um, and they protested the fact that um, at the U.S.-Mexico border in Tijuana, on the California side, um, what would happen is that others, especially those who are white-passing, will come in, get their numbers, and go through to the US border. But the Cameroonians were being made to wait and wait and wait with no real reason why. Right? You know, they would wait for months and months. And at some point they were like, no. You know, one of the young men, Bruno, who is currently at Pine Perry, he was just like, no. Right? And um so so again, this is not their first uh, time they're putting their bodies on the line. So they led the protest there at Tijuana. The press covered it. And um, and when they, they, they did that, um uh, and, um, you know, so then, again, in true fashion of how white supremacy works, they separated them, right? Because in the press, you know, obviously they just said, oh, Africans or black people are protesting, you know, um, you know, uh, racism. So what they, the Mexican government did in Tijuana is that they said, oh, okay, oh, oh you want to speak up? Okay. So they let the others go through, the Haitians, you know, because when the press is looking at it, black is black is black to them, right? Do they know, you know, what the difference is? But um, that's what happened. So they were held back. For that protest. Prior to that, in Tapachula, you know, again, this made um, uh, the news. We folks Google, you know, Cameroonians protesting in Tapachula, Mexico. This is like the southern part of, of of Mexico. So, in Mexico, to go from from south to north uh, to the American border, you need like a transit visa type pass, right? Same thing, right? The caravans will come through, and they will let them through. You know, the the Indians who come through, they will let them through. The Russians, of course, you know, the southern border now, as opposed to what the media makes you, makes it seen. Um, you know, the world gets to the southern border to come to America. So all these white uh, uh, presenting folks will get through, and the Cameroonians will keep, you know, the black people in general, but it was the Cameroonians that led those protests, right? That they've had enough. And so, you can imagine by the time you know you get into the system, you're already known as a troublemaker, right? Um, and um, and you know, and so so I was talking about that anti-blackness, anti-Africanness, and quite frankly, anti-Cameroonianness, because the Cameroonians, Cameroonians already have a reputation throughout the system, you know, and throughout the route, you know, the immigration route as 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 folks who will speak up and speak out. Much like what I'm doing right now, right? Um, and 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 who are not going to you know hold themselves back? So so they already have that repetition. So when they get in, everybody's putting an eye on them. Everybody you know wants to say, hey, you're not going to drag these other people. You know, much like you know during the Haitian Revolution, what happened? You know, Louisiana, right? We know it is because of the Haitian. Haitian Revolution, you know, in part because of the Haitian Revolution, right? You know, America, you know, quickly closed its borders. Quickly let the other. Uh, uh, um, you know, enslaved Africans, our ancestors at the time, like, hey, don't even, you better have no, no ideas, right? Don't even think that what happened in Haiti, you know, is, is going to happen here, right? So, um, so, the, so Louisiana just lived up to, 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 to its, um, you know, that oppressive past that they, that, um, um, that they had. So, so these Cameroonians have been, they cannot catch a break. They just Ryan, and they cannot catch a break. They just can't, and that's why we're calling the people of goodwill to join us. Friday is what we call Freedom Friday um and uh we're looking to release them and we would um you know, really appreciate um uh, um allies again you know just like with the civil rights movement just like the abolitionist um um uh, movement prior to that you know allies are always needed um supporters are always needed thank you
0: mm-hmm, of course and so you're specifically calling attention to a couple of these guys who are having um pretty severe outstanding medical situations Is that correct?
2: Yes, we are. Um, That would be, I mean, after a year, everybody's going to have medical problems, right? Imagine that you cross eight countries to come to America, right? When, you know, I mean, at least pre-COVID, maybe even now, right? You know, folks, you know, just want to park, you know, right close to the shop or right close to where you're going, right? They don't even want to walk eight blocks. Then imagine you, you know, from Ecuador and all those countries in between, the jungle and, and everything, the water in between to get to, 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 um, to the U.S. Uh, border. Um, and then, you know, even prior to that, you're fleeing five-armed conflicts. In a dictatorship that um, you know, France and 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 other countries around the world, um, you know, just uh, use as their as your raw their source of raw materials and and never paying a fair price for anything, right? So you so you you've come from all that hardship. You get to um, to to the U.S. where you're met with all kinds of retaliation because you're known as a troublemaker and everybody is is on you. You know, you have like uh, you know. So so when you're there you're gonna develop all kinds of other illnesses so pretty much all of them um have um, uh, some form of, of of medical of medical uh, uh condition um, yes a couple of them are just um just really really sad. One of them is Leonard, um the twenty three year old who's been detained there the longest and um you had asked about you know the 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 their their the legal you know snapshot. Leonard is a particular, it's a peculiar case because Leonard um asylum was denied. He went to the appeals, um you know, it's called the Bureau of Immigration Appeals. He went there, very few, very few asylum um appeals get a, a, a you know get a positive outcome. He actually got an appeal. Approved, right? So you may be wondering, wait, then why is he in detention? Because in Louisiana, (laughs) because in Louisiana, even when you get an appeal, you have to go back to the judge that denied you asylum to have that judge, get this, get this, to have that judge approve that they made a mistake and that the appeal should go through and that you should be released. Brian, what do you think is going to happen? The racist judge Larry Lee Of course said no, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And yeah. and and um. So yeah, so so right now, in addition to being there the longest in the last six weeks, he's been away from the general population because he has some very very horrible hemorrhoid um, situation that caused him to bleed so much that they had to take him away from the general population. Because he just could not, you know, in, you know, be the general population with all that bleeding. Is that not a reason for a parole for a humanitarian in a pandemic?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: He still got denied. Three times. We're filing a fourth one. The good friends at, um IJC, the Immigration Justice Council, and, um and an SPLC uh, found a pro bono um, attorney, um, and um, his his community. He has a strong Presbyterian community. Um, he's a man of faith. I mean, what else is left when when you're in there, right? You know, faith in yourself, your ancestors, um, um, you know, other forms of, of 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 diocese. So he's Presbyterian. And um, the other day, you know, he asked to be contacted to, to, to be connected with um, a Presbyterian pastor, which we did. Um, and um, you know. He is um, his he's from a tribe like a story tribe in Cameroon called the Ngii people of the northwest of Cameroon, and um, the Ghi community is so ready. Right, he's been away from the from the population for six weeks because of constant bleeding. Even with that, they did a a um, they did a hemorrhage uh surgery that it still did not stop the bleeding because they kept him because you know that, that surgery was about. Two weeks ago, and because of the 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 still bleeding, they still kept him, you know, away from the population. They they did not think, you know, he should come back. And 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 this is all happening with with COVID 19. A lot of Cameroonians that have contracted COVID, um, you know, um, we have um uh, folks there with hepatitis, right? I lost my dad from complications of hepatitis, and I can just imagine, um, you know, being in that condition and contracting hepatitis in detention right? Um, And, you know, they just recently, you know, finally, after a year, put out their medical reports. It's really, really heartbreaking, really, really heartbreaking. We just do not understand why the families um, of these men in detention, about 80% of them are are nurses, like the, you know, because you need to have like a sponsor, you know, you need to show that there's somebody who will care for you, you know, i.e., that, you know, family reunification basis that I was mentioning before, which is quite frankly racist because we were kept out for so long. Um, but, you know, now they want to, by we, I mean Africans and black people, are kept out of the immigration process for so long. And so um, so we have now, um, you know, managed, you know, in the spirit of our ancestors, have a resilient you know, community for for him and for others, you know, the greater Cameroonian community, space community. ICE will not let them go. They just will not let Leonard go. They will not release Leonard. Um and right, you know, this is because uh it has to do because of uh Pine Perry is a private institution and so um so they're you know protecting you know their stocks, you know, and um and this is, you know, the craziness of of of, of, of corporate, right, of the prison industrial complex that includes detention centers, um, much like you know, corporations before during that benefited from, um, from enslaved Africans as well as Fargo and other, uh, and pretty much every corporation that comes out of that era. So, um, so yeah, so this is no different than that. We, um, we have a hashtag free, uh, Leonard, uh, and, um, but if you go to our Twitter, you can find that information or if you just put hashtag freedom Friday or hashtag free, um, the Cameroon, free the Juneteenth Cameroonians um you know he he will he will come right up his um him and others we 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 do have Tatiana like i said if after you has been a year it's very difficult not to have um dire medical conditions especially given the fact that um those are you know data that was released that 70% of people who died of covid-19 in louisiana were black people um, and, you know, these are people who were predominantly on the outside. They were predominantly not detained. So imagine, um, you know, the risk factors of black people, black men on the inside detained in Louisiana. So, so yeah, so we, we're, we're really seeking for folks to join, um, our campaign to release these, uh, Juneteenth Cameroonians.
0: Thank you. And we'll link to those campaigns you mentioned in our show notes. And so, the hunger strike is set to restart today, August 21st, and do we know how long it will last?
2: So, being resilient means that um, they are specifically looking for, they, 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 they have a series of demands, right? They have uh, about three major ones. Um, obviously, three them all, but they've um, prioritized um, into um, the number one is to free the medically vulnerable, right? I mean, these men um, inspire me so much, right? They are looking at, you know, not just themselves, but those among them. You know, they actually protested, um, uh, you know, with Leonard when, you know, Leonard will not get um, the medical attention that um, they felt that he needed, like the surgery. They protested just to get ice to get into surgery. Because even though Leonard was bleeding and everything, you know, I just, you know, would not, you know, take the appropriate measures. So, um, I mean, these are really, really compassionate humans. Um, Resilient. I mean, you know, exactly like the ancestors before them. Very resilient. Very compassionate. uh, Constantly thinking about the list. Among them, right um, um, so that's the first thing they want the medically vulnerable the extremely medically vulnerable um, you know like Leonard to be released. Um, so their second demand is for for their for their um, for their asylum and the credible fear you know to be revisited because a lot of times um, the judge you know will not listen. You know, and that's you know we're working on that. We're 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 working on you know separately on acts in Congress to investigate you know the you know Judge Larriggy and looking at some of those um those those you know judicial documents that he presided on for Cameroonians. So they they are looking for a review of that. They want ice uh to review, you know, the judge. The third thing um, that they're um, the third demand is for parole um, you know for consideration in their parole and for um and for bond, right? Um, at least one of them, you know, qualifies Bruno that I mentioned before, qualifies um, for a bond. But he's been there for over a year, right? And so so we're really not sure why all the other aspects that pertain to other countries just evades, um, uh, Cameroonians. We were just not sure. And that is the anti cameroonianness we're talking about. So those who, um, we want them to be safe, um and, um, and, we're praying for them and, um, and they know their bodies. We, 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 you know, we hate that they have to put their bodies, um, as a form of resistance, not once, not twice, but as I stated, you know, multiple times across countries, right? Um, so so yeah, so we are um, you know, they that's that's what they're looking to do. So us on the outside, right, we we're so inspired by them. So for us I can speak about what we are gonna do. We are not gonna let up. We are gonna speak up, speak out. Their families have been fabulous. We have a family WhatsApp group um, for their families and they've they they've shown you know just great support. It's amazing that uh, you know, like I said, eighty percent of the family members work in healthcare. They wake up every morning, go across America, and care as an essential worker when their own relatives are at risk of COVID nineteen. So uh, so yeah, um, we um, we we are going to support them. Um, and um, if they choose not to go on the hunger strike, we are still going to support them. If they choose to continue um, the hunger strike like they're doing today, they said they're going to do that. We're um, we're still going to be supporting them on the outside. Thank you.
0: Mm -hmm, Thank you. And is there anywhere else you'd like to point people to keep up to date about what's going on with the hunger strike at Pine Prairie and with African and Cameroonian detainees in general?
2: Folks can check us out on social media. um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is at a mayor council. Um uh, or if you can just you know Google Juneteenth Cameroonians, um a lot will come out of Pine Terry protests. Our friends at um New Orleans um, workers group did a protest last week and um for Freedom Friday because every Friday we 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 lift um the men there but also the women. Uh, we had hundred and fifty women who um, protested in Texas, right in March. So, you know, like I said, the Cameroonians are um, are, are leading these protests, um, and um, and we are looking uh, for support. We have a GoFundMe um, that's out, um, is on our pages. We have um, a toolkit for me, to make phone calls. Um not just for Pine Terry, we have one, uh, for, um LaSalle, uh, Giscard, Cameroonian at LaSalle, still in Louisiana. One for Paul and um uh, Cameroonian, um as well. And, um he's, uh, uh Jackson Terry, still in Louisiana. And so, because Louisiana is so peculiar, the whole of next week, August 24th to the 28th, we are doing a whole week of escalation. Because clearly, um you know, Biden did not put immigrants uh, in and immigration in his black agenda, which he released in May um, of this year, and he did not put you know anti-blackness and uh, and black people uh, issues in the immigration plan that he released. So, 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 so we are like, you know, just like a donut hole. So with that, we do need to escalate and we're so grateful to Detention Watch Network, SPLC, you know, Louisiana Aid, just many, 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 many friends, FFI, um, who are, um, supporting us. Um, like I mentioned already, uh, New Orleans, um workers group, the Commerce, they were there last week. So we're gonna have a series of, weeks um, Week of Action. Please join us. It starts on the 24th um and um and it would include various um, media it would include a twitter storm on thursday 1 p m to 2 p m and um and just other um, legal actions that we're going to be filing uh you know together with uh friends such as Jeremy Jeremy Jiang and others so so yeah, so please, please uh, keep us in your prayers, um, send us good vibes and, um, and really, you know, anytime you hear about immigration, know there are black people in immigration too.
0: Thank you, Sylvia, I appreciate that reminder and thank you so much for your time and for helping to support these, these guys in detention while they're standing up for themselves, taking on all this risk.
2: We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ryan, and, uh, and thank you for the work you're doing to lift up stories that are just uh, invisible.
0: Thank you, Sylvie. Take care.
2: Thank you. Bye. Au revoir.
0: And that's it for this week's Perilous Podcast, a news and oral history project from Perilous Chronicle. If you like what you heard, please consider donating to help us improve our work and like and rate us on iTunes. Thanks.